Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. We get all mixed up when it's like, I want to make my name great. I want to establish my brand. The world doesn't need your brand. Your brand's not getting anybody into heaven. It's not. Your name is not getting anybody into heaven. His name is. His name is. So, but I'm all for ambition. I'm all for drive. I'm all for like, yeah, you want to be successful within the kingdom of God? Go for it. But make sure he is number one. He's number one. Who is in the top spot in your life? As you listen to today's message from Pastor James, he explains that often we've made ourselves number one. With social media, influencers, and selfies, it's easy to think that it's all about us. However, Pastor James reminds us that it's the Almighty God who sits on the throne. He reigns over this world and over each and every one of us. It's the name of Jesus that one day every knee will bow to, not you or your name brand, but Jesus, who's king over all. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Mark, chapter 10, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Verse 35, James and John, two brothers, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to Jesus after he literally just said, they're going to take me and crucify me, but I'm going to rise from the grave. They're like, "Um, excuse me, Jesus, we don't have a a request. It's not so much a request. They want a solid from Jesus. They they need a favor. So whatever he just said, they, they weren't listening. And you know how that works. You've had conversations with people like that, right? Where you're explaining something very important. And then they just come out of left field with like, wait, wait, wait what? No, were you, were you listening to me? You have kids? You do this daily, I'm sure, right? Your moms are like, yes, um, yes, it, Jesus gets me. He does, uh, he does. They pull Jesus to the side and they say, teacher or rabbi, we want you to do us a favor. I'm going to go. They're going to spit on me. They're going to scourge me. That means they're going to rip the flesh off my back with a whip. Um, They're going to pull the hairs out of my beard. They're going to jam a crown of thorns onto my scalp. They're going to mock me. Uh, I'm going to be stripped naked. And they're going to crucify me. The worst possible execution ever invented by mankind. But I'm going to rise again in three days. Yeah, Jesus, that's cool. Um, I got a favor I need to ask of you. Oh, okay. This is what's so amazing about Jesus. He responds, verse 36. What's your request? He doesn't like, he doesn't stand them down. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't shush them or anything like that. Or like, you just ruined my moment. He says, what's your request? Well, what can I do for you? What are you asking of me? What are you almost demanding of me? They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we, the two of us, the sons of thunder, that's what their nickname was. We want to sit in places of honor, the highest honor, next to you. One on your right hand and the other on your left hand. So in, in, in that throne kind of room setting, the, the seat on the right of the, the throne itself is the highest honor. And then the one on the left is like the next highest honor. So they have the audacity to pull Jesus aside after he says, I'm going to go die. And say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, here's the deal, though. 
this death thing. We we wish you'd stop talking about that because we know you're the Messiah and you're going to rule and reign. And we want to throw our hats into the ring. We want to be your main guys. Your right hand man, your left hand man. We believe that that is, is, you know, that's deserving of us. So we're just going to, you know, suggest this to you. What I love about this story is, now Mark's account of this is different from Matthew's. In Matthew, I believe it's uh, Matthew 21, or no, in Matthew chapter 20, they get mama involved in this story. Like, you know, that's, that's serious, right? Some of you have that, you know, you've done that. You've, like, you don't want to go. The waiter or the server at the restaurant messes up your order, and you're like a little too embarrassed or shy to be, but you got mama. You're like, mom. Mom, they, they got it wrong, and the mom, mamas know how to, how to fix stuff, right? They just know how to do that, especially Jewish mamas. Now, I've, I've been on three tours of Israel. My first tour was, the, our tour guide was an, a former Israeli soldier, like a high commanding officer. He's the one who led us around Israel, showed us all the sights. We felt like we were in good hands. He was a great guy, tremendous man. My two other tours behind that, we had this lady, may have been five feet tall, may have been five feet tall. Her name is Hila. She's from New York City. She's a Jew. She moved over to Israel, former history teacher. She led those two tours for her. I've never been more afraid of a person in my life than little Hila, who led us around Israel. Like, she would get out of the bus and yell at other bus drivers to get out of our way so she could get us to the next stop. You don't mess with mama. You don't mess with, especially your little Jewish mama. You do not mess with them. James and John, aka Sons of Thunder, there's an idea there that they, they kind of tap on mama's shoulder and say, hey, go talk to them. Go put in a good word for us. There, there's a chance that they may have been related to Jesus. And so she could have even, there's an idea that she could have even been Jesus' aunt. So there's that other dynamic of like, oh, he'll listen to me. Oh, he's going to listen to me. I got this. So she, Matthew's account tells us that she's the one who approached Jesus and said, hey, you see my two boys? Right hand and left hand. Right hand and left hand. That's what's going to happen. Jesus, Messiah, Yeshua, Rabbi. We know how, we know how it goes. Mama just said. Uh, so that's how, and he's like, mm. <laughs> Jesus, and, and so part of this conversation is, in Mark's account, yes, he is talking to the two disciples, but he's also talking to their mom. And praise God for moms who want the best for their kids. Right? That's amazing. That's amazing. And that's all she wanted. And there's, there's total, like, innocence behind this story. And Jesus doesn't even get on to them for their ambition. And I'm going to tell you this, too. In Christianity, ambition is totally fine. Jesus does not speak against ambition and drive. You can be ambitious in serving within the kingdom of God, but you have to make sure that it's about him, that it's about him. We get all mixed up when it's like, I want to make my name great. I want to establish my brand. The world doesn't need your brand. Your brand's not getting anybody into heaven. It's not. Your name is not getting anybody into heaven. His name is. His name is. So, but I'm all for ambition. I'm all for drive. I'm all for like, yeah, you want to be successful within the kingdom of God? Go for it. But make sure he is number one. He's number one. 
So mama shows up and they're talking and all that good stuff. But you, you see there, they're like, man, we, we, we feel like, and, and please know that the other 10 are, they're not out of earshot. They can hear what's going on. And they're all going to get mad in a second. But they're like, look, we know you came to rule and reign. But what they missed and what they missed, what most of the people missed from the Old Testament was that Jesus had to die first. Then he will come back. And he's already talked to his disciples about, look, when I come back and establish the kingdom, there will be seats for you. Something is coming. But it's later. It's after the death, the burial, and the resurrection. He told them that many times. These guys are just jumping the gun. And they want to make sure they get their name in there quick because it's like, you know, they know Peter's going to ask the same question, right? They already know that. They've been around these guys. They've been running together for three years. And they're like, no, this is our time. Jesus says to them in verse 38, you don't know what you're asking. You don't know what you're asking. And, and this, is, um, this is just beautiful from Jesus. Because there's a lot of times where I ask Jesus for, for things in my life. And there's this beautiful dynamic with Jesus that we sometimes think it's mean, but it's actually wisdom and love on his part, where he doesn't answer all your prayers. And he doesn't give in to all your requests. Because he sees a big picture. And he knows more than you do. He knows more than I do. He knows what's best for me. And what actually I might perceive as something as a blessing, the Lord sees as like, that's going to ruin you. But you have no idea. No, Lord, I really need you to do this. I really want you to do this. He's like, you don't know what you're asking. You don't know what you're asking. That's where this whole prayer thing is, is so important that we, when we come before the Lord, and I always encourage, you know, have your Bibles opened up and be in the Word, and be, but then also be fellowshipping and communing with Him and just talking with Him and, and leaving that space where He can speak into your life as well. And then the Holy Spirit just moves in you and he's able to give us words that we don't have. And that's where it's like that prayer, prayer is such an important thing within the the life of a Christian. And I would highly encourage you, if you're like, I'm bad at praying, well, you know how to get better at praying? Pray more, pray more, pray more. That's, I mean, that goes with everything. That's just a good life lesson for anything. You want to be good at leading worship? Well, you have to lead worship more, right? You have to play more. If you want to be, we did surf camp yesterday, and we baptized like six people into, in the Gulf of Mexico yesterday. But we have surfboards out there. You want to get better at surfing? Surf more, right? You want to get better at this? We'll put in the time, right? They say you got to put in like 10,000 hours to become an expert at anything, right? What, is my ambition in my prayer life the same as my drive for this or that? right? Like if my prayer life is weak and anemic, then I need to pray more. Put in the work. And Jesus is telling these guys, he's like, man, you guys don't know what you're asking. Because again, he just told them, I'm going to go and die. You want to sit on my right hand? You want to be on my right and my left? Do you understand? In a couple of days, there will be a guy on my right and there will be a guy on my left. You really want that? Because what you don't understand is that's, if that's what you're asking for, then, man, you just don't get it. The seats and the place and all that good stuff, ruling and reigning with him later on, that's going to happen. That's going to come, but in his timing. You don't know what you're asking. 
And he, he follows that up with, are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering? I'm about to drink. Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering? He says, that I must be baptized with. He's like, fellas, I appreciate it. He doesn't rebuke them for their like ambition. He, doesn't, he never rebukes them for like wanting to be great, so to speak, right? Like he doesn't, but he does have to bring them up to speed with like, remember that thing I just said literally like five seconds ago about dying? Are you able to do that? The suffering that I'm going to endure, are, are, you really, are you really sure that that's what you want? Oh, just beware, Christians, the suffering is a part of the gig. It's a part of the gig. We all will suffer. That's how it is. But Jesus is specifically speaking about what's about to happen in his own life. Their reply, and, and you can tell from the, the way that it's set up within the, like within the Greek, it's like a, an immediate reply, like an instant, like no thinking has, has happened in their response. Because they say, oh yeah, we got it, Jesus. Yes, we are able you can drink from the cup of suffering and be baptized with the baptism of suffering. Yeah, we got it. We got it. We're going. We're, we got you, Jesus. That's their response. Yeah, no problem. No problem. He's like, really? Oh, really? Um, in a few days, they're all going to abandon him. So when the suffering does come, they run away. I thought you had this, is what Jesus could have said as he's being led away into a criminal procedure, an illegal trial, but he never did that. He never, br- he never brings up the fact that they made these very quick, rash declarations to Jesus. And aren't you glad for that? Because how many quick, rash declarations to Jesus have you made in your life? Probably as many, probably as, many as I have. You got it, Jesus. Whatever you say, I'm done with this. Yeah, all you. It's all you, Jesus. And then give a few minutes, give it a few minutes. Give it a few days, give it a few weeks. And I praise God that he doesn't bring those things back up. But they're like, we can, we're able. We're the sons of thunder. We're the ones, remember, if you don't know the story, they're cruising through Samaria, which was oftentimes off limits to good Jews. We don't mix with those people is kind of the the thought process there, which which was just insane. Jesus had no problem going through Samaria, none at all. He, he went there often. He passed through there. He wasn't going to be like the others who go around, you know, that specific neighborhood. He was like, I'm going right through the heart of that neighborhood. And he met a Samaritan woman and led her to himself. She got saved, and then she became an evangelist and brought her whole village back to Jesus, right? And Jesus like, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few, right? That was in Samaria. That was in the, the, the area of Israel where good Jews don't go. So as they would track back and forth through there, they were coming through Samaria, and, and Jesus was getting disrespected by some of the guys. And the sons of thunder were like, Jesus, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to kill these guys? He's like, no, I don't want you to do that, actually. Um, that kind of goes against the mission that I'm on. But that was their process. That was their thought process as the sons of thunder. Like, Jesus, you want us to kill these people? Because we'll do it. We'll do it. He's like, calm down. Like, no, that's not what we're here for. That's not, Peter had the same kind of 
mentality where he's trying to chop some dude's head off and misses and gets his ear, right? Really bad with the sword. But the sons of thunder were, they were fiery. They were passionate. They were ambitious. But it was all directed in the, in the wrong direction. It was all about themselves. It was all about them. What we're able to do for you, Jesus, and how we'll be remembered for our connection with you, Jesus. Because that's what the throne were all about for them. It was just, a, it was like, so books could be written about them, so to speak. So they may be remembered throughout history. They sit, this one sits on the right and this one sits on the left. And it was about, the, it should never be about us. And if history never remembers our names, then so be it. So be it. Who cares? Who cares? If, if no books are ever written about any of us, Praise God. It's fine. You don't need anybody else to remember your name. You only want to make sure that he knows your name and that that name's written in the book of life. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. And your faithfulness to him in the little things, he can introduce bigger things into your life and, and praise God that he entrusts us with that. But ultimately, we're on this grand journey, this grand adventure to be reunited face-to-face with Jesus. And then a new heaven and a new earth and, and being with him and all that that entails is just, yeah, let's get there. I, we're, we're pilgrims. We're pilgrims, guys. This isn't our home. Be ambitious, have drive, all that good stuff. All that good stuff. But just make sure you know what may come because of that? Because that's the other thing that they, didn't, they weren't able to see within their own lives. They weren't able to see that with this association, it was, was going to come suffering. He tells them, as they answer quickly, uh, he says, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my, baptize, my baptism of suffering. But I have, this is New Living Translation, I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. He's like, that's not up to me. Because Jesus works in submission to God the Father. Beautiful Trinitarian dynamic here. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And each one is, is always pointing towards the other one, elevating the other one. Jesus was always magnifying God the Father. Always. The Holy Spirit in your life is always directing you to Jesus It's a beautiful community, beautiful triune community, three in one, all that, all that. But Jesus says, it's not for me to say. He says that that's, uh, he says, God has prepared those places uh, for the ones he has chosen. So it's not up to you and and, and your efforts and all that stuff. And it's really not going to determine any of that stuff. God has already determined who will sit at the right and the left. So in, in one sense, he's saying, please remove that from your mind, from your thought space. What you need to do is just show up and serve. You need to serve. I love your ambition. I love your drive. But let's make sure that you're serving other people. You want to know how to be a good leader? Be a good servant. And this is totally contrary to the world's philosophy on leadership. I love reading leadership books. I love listening to leadership podcasts. And a lot of times that's church leadership, leadership stuff. And unfortunately, a lot of times they have it all wrong. They take on the world's model of what leadership should look like and try to infuse that into the church. It doesn't work. 
It doesn't work. It'll work to build big corporations. It'll, it can work to, be, to build big churches. When you want to function, when you want to like design it based on the world's model. But that's not what Jesus has called us to do. And big churches are fine. Got no problem with big churches. Got no problem with small churches. I love the church, capital C, the body of Christ. But we cannot take from the world and try to make the church better. We should be just the church loving on the world and showing them Jesus, right? And not trying, you're never going to impress the world. There's nothing that we do in this room uh, that will ever be like, oh, that's just, we got to go to that show. The world's not, there, there are many artists that are out there that are more impressive and can do better things in, entertainment-wise than what we'll ever be able to do. But our thing is not entertainment. Our thing is Jesus, and Jesus tells his guys, he's like, let me, look, you will suffer. And they would. James would be the first martyr. He would, in the book of Acts, it records the fact that he lost his life serving Jesus. Uh, his brother John actually lived a long life, lived until he was 90, but he was not spared suffering at all. They actually tried to boil this dude alive in a pot of oil, and he survived that. And then they banish him to the island of Patmos, which is a prison kind of island, and there they left him there, so maybe he would die there. He didn't even die there. And that's where he got the revelation. Like, revelation, the book of Revelation came to him in the midst of his suffering. That Jesus told him, oh, you're going to suffer. You will suffer. When you get to heaven, you can go to these men and say, hey, do you regret any minute of that? And they'd say, probably, they, they would say, No. Whatever suffering I went through for the sake of Jesus Christ was absolutely worth it. Actually, they, we talked about this a little bit last week. In the book of Acts, it's recorded that they celebrated, that they were counted worthy to suffer because of his name. That's incredible. Eventually, the light bulb does come on and they get it, but it, that's all post-resurrection stuff. But here's, the, here's this fun little dynamic here. Because the other guys are hanging on and, and they're starting to hear some of this, you know, conversation. Verse 41, 10 other disciples heard what James and John had asked. They were indignant. It means they were mad. They were furious. Why? Because they weren't there first. Because they didn't get to ask first. That's why. That's why. They're not mad because like, oh man, how dare you guys, you, you, how dare you guys ask Jesus that question? You should be servants of all. They're not thinking like that. They're thinking, oh, why didn't I think to ask that? Where's my mom? Where? Yeah, they're like looking around like, wait, hey, hold on. Let me send my mom in. Maybe she's more persuasive. No, that's not it. But they get mad. They're indignant. Verse 42, so Jesus called them together, all his group. Again, another powwow with Jesus, right? On this journey to Jerusalem, he's got to pull the car over many times to say, all right, can you please... Look at me and focus, right? That's not me to you. That's Jesus to his disciples, unless it applies here. It's, you're, now you're having flashbacks of like your mom raising you, right? Like you're like, oh, it's okay. We have counseling available for you if you need it uh, on this Mother's Day. No, he's like, look, fellas, you think it's going to be like this, that I'm going to overthrow the Roman government and that I'm going to establish my kingdom right now and that you guys are going to get elevated to these top positions in authority. That's not what's going to happen. Hope to the hopeless, hopeless, red for the broken. Home. 
We're so glad that you joined us for a look at the Gospel of Mark here on Bread for the Broken. Pastor James will continue to take you verse by verse through this New Testament book about Jesus. There's so much to learn. We pray that you've heard something today that's drawn you deeper into your relationship with the Lord. Do you have questions about what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus? Well, we would love to hear from you and talk more. So go to breadforthebroken.com and click on contact to leave a message for us. We'll get back to you as soon as we can. Or if you're in the Galveston area, we would love to get to know you in person too. Join us on Sundays or Thursdays as we study God's Word together at Calvary Galveston. You'll find service times, more information, and directions at our website. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. We're so grateful for our listening audience. And if this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you consider teaming up with us in a financial way? A lot is done to get these teachings out on the radio. And we're so grateful for those who feel led by God to contribute in that way. Simply go to the About tab on our website and you'll find the Donate link. We'd also like to ask you to be praying for us and for your fellow listeners. We can all use God's guidance and continued grace as we navigate this world with Him. Thanks for praying. If you missed any part of today's teaching, you can also find it on our website, breadforthebroken.com. Thanks again for tuning in today to Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.